morning, everyone. Welcome to, welcome to worship this morning where we're celebrating the festival of Pentecost, God sending the Holy Spirit into the world, not just the sending of the Spirit, but the bringing of forgiveness of sins to people. Order of service is found on screen and in your worship folder. And this morning we begin with a gathering rite, so please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Let us make confession then of our sins. Merciful Father, Jesus died for my sins, and I stand before you justified, yet I continue to sin. I harbor evil thoughts. My words go unchecked. I am frequently discontent, and I covet that which is not mine to have. I am selfish. I lack compassion for my neighbor, and daily I resist the will of the Holy Spirit. God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinful being. We are powerless to obey God's law, but God sent his son to be an, a sin offering. And the requirements of the law have been met through Jesus. There is now no condemnation. Because of Christ, God has forgiven all of your sins. the Lord is the Spirit. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He has showed you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you?
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. God of peace will be with you. Spirit, God, and Lord, come to us this joyful day with your sevenfold gift of grace. Rekindle in our hearts the holy fire of your love that in a true and living faith we may tell abroad the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Father, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. First lesson is the historical event of Pentecost from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The word of the Lord. Continue with the solo. 
sermon is based on this lesson from 1 Corinthians 12. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is from John chapter 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for hymn 585.
name of our one and only triune God, your fellow believers in him. This entire lesson that we just read from 1 Corinthians 12, it, it, it's a miracle. It's an incredible miracle, and I hope all of you, in, in hearing it and listening to it, were just as astonished as all of the people in Jesus' day when that gospel lesson happened. Just to lay that foundation quickly, that was the Feast of Tabernacles. Everybody was tenting. They came together for worship. This was the pinnacle moment when they just finished singing a psalm. The priests had done their work, and, and, and the blaring of the horns had just ended. There's this massive pregnant pause. And at that exact moment is when Jesus stood up, when there's this hushed silence, and he spoke loudly and he said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And then he talked about streams of living water coming and flowing from within them. It would have been clear to that crowd that it was Jesus. Jesus' authority was so clearly on display and the gift that he was offering to every sinner in that moment was also clear. The living water of the forgiveness of sins that quenched a, a, a dry, parched, sinful palate. And just as clear in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning is how the Holy Spirit stands out and stands behind his people as he breathes life into them. Just look at that comparison. The people of Jesus' day should have been able to tell by the words he said and by the works that he did that he was from God. And what do you think is the same for your speech that comes from your mouth? What can't they tell about you today? Our lesson says, no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. You, you can't have faith unless the Holy Spirit gives it to you. There, there is nothing the Bible ever teaches about you just accept Jesus into your heart and make yourself a believer. The Bible never talks like that. If there's faith in your heart, and there is, the Holy Spirit did that. And the words that flow from you, the Holy Spirit did that too by giving you faith. It's his work. It's his authorship, which makes you a living, breathing, walking miracle that the Holy Spirit himself is shaped. But Corinthians doesn't just talk about conversion, our, our lesson today. That the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work of conversion and bringing you to faith and leading you to praise the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit, here, talking about it goes to contradiction. What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit given to you would never prompt you in one moment to say, I can't stand Jesus. I, I curse Jesus. And in the next moment, the same Spirit would never say, but now I praise Jesus. There's no such thing as a Holy Spirit contradiction that he leads you to go in two different ways. I mean, just to press this, can you imagine a preschooler from our school doing this? Going home and doing that? One moment praising Jesus, the next moment, I learned how to curse Jesus at school today, and the Holy Spirit taught me this. We, we have parents that tell us all the time, we're just astonished. 
by our kids coming home and the praise that they give to Jesus, the songs that they sing, the prayers that they, they know, and sometimes they even prompt us and they say, shouldn't we be praying before our food? And then they lead the whole family in prayer. The, the parents are astonished. And then the Bible stories they bring home, those little hearts of faith from these Bible stories, they know how to retell them and they recount them to their parents and then they also know how to praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit only teaches them that. He doesn't teach people to sin. He doesn't lead people to curse Christ. He doesn't lead people to mock Christ. It's impossible. And if parents are going to be honest, they would tell you that their kids for the last four years, if they're a preschooler, already knew well how to sin. They already well knew how to say things of, give me that, I want it. They, they know well how to be spiteful and selfish. The Holy Spirit didn't teach them that. Which is why when they come home saying these things, the parents clearly can see this is what the Lord in sending His Spirit does for people. Whether it's at that age or whether at any of ours. When you see somebody with a heart of faith, praising the Lord, confessing the Holy Spirit did that. The Holy Spirit brought those words out so that somebody says, I believe Jesus is my Lord. I believe Jesus is the one that was active in the Old Testament who led the children of Israel, who did all of these miracles. I believe Jesus is the lover of my soul and the forgiver of my sins. And he will make good on his promises. That, that's miraculous. Unfortunately, the reason why Paul is talking this way to the Corinthians is that they had a number of contradictions in their congregation. They had contradictions in, on the one hand, being Christian, and on the other hand, they had divisions and factions running through their church. Little group here, little group there, little group over there. And can you imagine then the tension when a congregation is like that, the tension that's happening over one group to try to one-up the next group and to show this group is better than that one, this group is more gifted than that one. I mean, just imagine the things that might be coming from their mouths to try to indicate, no, we're the better group that this new person should join our group. Is it possible that one of those groups in trying to show how much better they were than another group went so far as to say, Jesus, be cursed? It's possible. Is that why Paul used that as an illustration? It's possible. I just don't know for sure. What I do know for sure in myself and in experience with others is that when somebody puffs himself up with such pride, trying to be the biggest and the best, how hard it is to admit you're wrong and to confess your sin and to humble yourself in the Lord's presence. And when you look around the world, you see, I see pastors and congregations puff themselves up with things scriptures aren't saying, uh, taking passages in ways Jesus never ever intended them, trying to gather a following, trying to gather a flock, and they're just leading the whole ship to destruction. I've seen in congregations people who have lots and lots of gifts who get put in positions of authority or responsibility 
and it goes to their head and they put down people with, with other gifts so that others can't volunteer, can't serve because it's got to be their way or the highway and it just creates tension. I've seen congregations where there are people who have so many gifts but they never unwrap them. And they never, never unpackage them. They use them only for themselves. And they never use them on behalf of their brothers and sisters and to advance the gospel in any kind of way. And whether there was an offense given, no, I'm just backing away, I'm not serving anymore, I'm done. And they can't forgive and they can't get past stuff. Don't let this congregation become a Corinthian congregation. I don't know if the 80-20 principle is in effect here. Have you, have you heard of that? That 20% of the people do 80% of the work or 80% of the people do 20% of the work? I have no idea what the percentage would be here or even if it's fair to go that route. But on the basis of the word of God today, I hope we're a 100% congregation. That whatever the gifts God has given to the people of this church, and he sure has, that we would faithfully use them to the best of our ability, that on the basis of the gospel, that he would feed and foster our faith so that we would recognize the gifts that he gives and that we would use them faithfully to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's the point. Last week, I, um, I was one of the last to leave the premise, and as I was walking out to my car, I, I noticed that the gate to the new addition uh, was, was open, and, and that's a little strange. And, and I know it was open this morning. That I don't know why it is, but uh, that's the first time I saw that last Sunday morning. It was unlocked. So I, I walked in there to just investigate and check things out before I headed home. And uh, sure enough, there were two people from the congregation starting to sweep the whole big play area. It had a really fine masonry dust all over the ground, and that needed to be swept up for, um, for building purposes this past week. And I said, this is a big job. Do you, do you mind if I help? And they said, oh, we'd love your help. So I said, okay, let me go home, change clothes, eat lunch. I'll grab my kids. And I did. We were back in a half hour. And I brought from home a few brooms. And I gave to one of my kids this one. And I gave to another kid this one. And my last kid got the vacuum. This one, as you see, this one wasn't going to be very good for that fine dust. But it worked. It, it just took a lot of work. It was best around walls and corners where there was a lot of junk, 90 degree angles. This one, the second kid that got this one, this is more of a garage broom, so it's not the best with the fine dust. The, the, the kid that was using this had to work kind of hard to make it effective. And the vacuum is not really a part of this. But I found a quashious broom that was even bigger than this broom. It was wider, and these bristles are plasticky. But the bristles on, on this other broom from quashious, they were gentle, soft. When, when you'd push that quashious broom, oh, it almost collected all of that fine dust in one push. You had to go over it just a couple of times. So here we are, we're, we're all serving, we're all working. One is using this, having a real hard time with it. One is using this, still struggling with it. And I look about halfway through the time, and I've gotten a whole ton of stuff done. 
And the thought came to me, I've got the best broom. I'm getting the most stuff done. What's the matter with you kids? And they were working. Is that the point? Never. The one who was using this broom was faithfully going along the walls. Took, took her a little while to figure out how to effectively use this, but she did. The one who was using this broom, everything she got done was in line with what this broom could do for work. And the same for the broom that I was using. To whom much is given, much is expected. Even though that's not a part of our lesson today. Never. There's no room for arrogance here. And in the church of God, God has given all kinds of gifts and abilities to people in the congregation. He's given all kinds of different brooms and sizes and shapes and for different purposes. And he lists a number of those things here. It says, for wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, discernment, languages, and then Paul writes, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. It's God who's behind this. Just as dad told these out last Sunday and gave them to the kids, it's your heavenly father, or more to the point, it's the Holy Spirit who doles out the gifts that you have in your life. And it's not for puffing yourself up and for arrogance, saying, my broom's bigger than theirs. I can get so much more work done. It's not to gild your own pockets and to enrich yourself on what God has given you at the expense of the church. And it's certainly not to put others down. You can't do as much as I can. It's to glorify Christ. And so the whole context of this is, if you have a broom, sweep faithfully. Just use it. Just put it to work. And your work, in the end, may not be the same amount as somebody else's. That doesn't matter. It's about the faithful use of the tools that God has given to you. And all of this diversity that God has spread out among the congregation, he does it for a reason. It's to show his work. It comes from him. It's his master schedule and planning the reason for why he doled these things out the way he did. So that we would unify and rally together and recognize these gifts and put them to work in service to the glory of God. And there's a goal, not just for God's glory, but Paul takes it a step further when he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Two big things there. To each one. To each one, to each one of us, you have gifts. You have abilities. And so the Holy Spirit has given these things to you so that you stand out. Just like Jesus did back in the gospel lesson. So that you stand out in this world and that you use these gifts, he says, for the common good. Martin Luther wrote about the common good when he said, not we but our fellow Christians and others are to share in the benefit. This fell over a number of times in practice this morning. Not we, 
but our fellow Christians and others are to share in the benefit. The gifts God has given to you are to benefit the congregation. In fact, they're to benefit the community and maybe even the world. Think about this. Through us, or individually, through you as God gives these gifts, he shapes your words to glorify Jesus and to proclaim the gospel. Jesus is Lord. Through you, or through us, as a collective, God gives you gifts and abilities, way more than words, to to go out and and use these things to benefit the congregation as we work and serve together. And, And then through you as an individual, or through us as a group, he does all of this to serve the common good. All of this diversity and variety that emphasize the unity of the Lord and that stand out as something incredible. What's God's point through all of this? What's he going to do as we speak, as we serve, and as we go out for the common good? What's God going to do? I think he's going to sweep the world, isn't he? He's going to send the Spirit and give living water to forgive sin, to lead people to Jesus, to steer them away from the emptiness that's going on in life. He's going to strengthen the congregation as we rely, yeah, in a way, on each other as we use gifts to serve one another, but especially as we trust Jesus and go forward praising him. Now stand back for just a second, and we're right back to where we started. What an astonishing miracle that through all this, God would breathe life. Amen. Please stand. We join together in confessing our faith with the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Lord, for men and women who have gone before and laid down their lives, thanks seems hardly enough. But that's where it starts. We thank you for giving men and women to this country who gave their life to defend freedom. 
And even as you have stated, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Give our country deep appreciation for the past, for the tremendous sacrifice of so many, that we would continue to live in a country so blessed. We also ask you to remember your servant, Dan Stungy, who has hip replacement surgery this Thursday. Please see him safely through and renew his health. And with the many happening uh, graduations and soon to be at the high school level and uh, college, build on this educational foundation and bless all of these students in their endeavors. And we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day kept his promise and poured out the Holy Spirit to empower his church to proclaim the gospel in all the world. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. trade took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me then he took the cup gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me and the peace of the lord be with you always
needed for the distribution.